Under the Influence Podcast. I'm your host, Whitney Eckes, a serial entrepreneur and social media guru that has an infatuation with all things business related. On the show, we bring together brands, creators, and thought leaders to discuss the power of influence. Each episode is jam-packed with learnings, firsthand stories, and conversations from guests that truly have their finger on the pulse. Stay tuned as we dive into the stories and explore the impact they're making by getting under the influence. Welcome back to Under the Influence Podcast. Today I have on such a light. And, you know, here's the thing about like your spiritual and your healing journey it is so complex and it is so around your own personal experience that I think we forget that there's so much possibility in healing and there's so much possibility in mastering yourself. And we get so overwhelmed with the trauma. We get so overwhelmed with the hard problems and the things that come up. And this next guest really breaks it down. And I'm just so honored that she came and shared so much. And there's so much to this episode. There's a lot of meat to it. There's a lot of her breaking down the understanding of how to truly master yourself what it means to go from 3D to 5D, and basically all of the in-between parts of understanding how to truly kind of live and build your best life through your own healing and spiritual journey. So let's bring on Miss Andrea Lowell. She is a self-mastery coach from Long Beach, and she spent about half of her life in the entertainment industry. She was working with Playboy. She did multiple different things. She had an incredible XM show. I think it was a morning show. And she just had this beautifully built life. And she even shares a lot about it. But the biggest thing was that she had this instant awakening in 2012. And really had to figure out what her life and her spiritual journey looked like because she had really kind of been living in this rock bottom state for like the last three years. And she kind of talks through her journey with alcohol. She kind of talks through her journey with partying. And it's just so incredible to have seen, you know, someone talk so openly about this dream lifestyle that from the outside looked amazing and then hearing how how much of a hole there was on on the inside. And I, I just can't say enough great things about her. I mean, honestly, the self-mastery coaches, there's so many coaches out there. There's so many self-help, quote unquote, people that are kind of sharing this like message. But the thing that I loved most about her is the way that she broke it down, both from a scientific standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint, which I think you guys know, I'm so in my physical that I really need to see the proof in order to really believe and move through that. And she really kind of goes into the blueprint of it. And I, I love it. So I'm really excited. And yeah, let's welcome Andrea to the show. Andrea, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on. You are a self mastery coach. But one of the coolest things and one of the things that really intrigued me was just 
your ability to dive into what it means to master the self and all of the journey that came with that and how you got to this place. So let's kick it off. Can you share your story and how you even began this journey? Totally. So as a self-mastery coach, as a self-mastery mentor, I got to tell you, I started so far away from that endpoint, And that's why I'm able to teach it because I used to be 1000% hopeless. I used to live in despair. I lived in comparison. I was jealous of everyone. I blamed the whole world for why I was miserable. And it really started when I went to college. So I grew up in a super beautifully religious background. You know, I wasn't afraid of God. Uh, God was more of like my bestie. And then I went to college. I started drinking. I started taking like, you know, um, <laughs> certain courses on philosophy and theology. And I intellectualized myself out of my own spirituality. And I started to create a big void in my life. And I had this, you know, spirit sized hole. And I kept filling it with stuff. I felt I filled it with booze. I filled it with, you know, party drugs. I filled it with men. I filled it with shopping. I filled it with fame. So when I was still in my freshman year of college, I saw an ad in the OC Weekly, which is a local periodical uh, here in LAOC. And it was a Playboy bunny head in black and white ink and a little, it looked like a uh, white pages ad. Like if anyone remembers old school phone books, and it said, are you hot enough for Playboy? And there was a phone number. And I was like, yeah, I think so. (laughs) So I call the number, I set up a, a casting. And this is like, even though the internet existed in 2001, there was no Playboy Cyber Club. There was basically like Yahoo chat groups and yeah. like AOL dial-up. So the internet was still kind of very bare bones. So it wasn't like you submitted online. I actually went to a hotel room. I walk in and there's a waiting area and all these girls are just like Pamela Anderson clones, big blonde hair, big fake boobs. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to get this. Mm-hmm. And we did a we did a fake shoot, you know, where you start lingerie, you strip down. And I didn't I didn't get a call. But four weeks later, I got a phone call and I actually thought it was a prank call. It's like, hey, it's Linda from Playboy Special Editions. We want to cast you for the college girls issue representing UC Irvine. Wow. And I'm just like, okay. And I didn't change my name. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell anyone because, again, this naivete that I had, but also not knowing the the power of the internet at this time. Yeah. Like, no, no one's going to find out. Like my family are holy rollers. Like their peers aren't going to find out. My mom's a teacher. Her students won't know they're 12. That wasn't accurate. <laughs> Everyone found out. But what happened from that was this thing I thought that was going to be a one-off ended up turning into a full-blown career with Playboy. They then asked me to shoot a bunch more magazines, all for special editions. So book of lingerie, natural beauties, all the stuff you'd see at like uh, the gas station newsstand or at the airport. And then they asked me to be a uh, weather girl for Playboy TV's Naked News Show, The Weekend oh Flash. <laughs> I know, girl, The Weekend Flash. And then, um, <laughs> and that led to me being on a reality show called The Surreal Life on VH1. That led to me having the number two rated morning show on Sirius XM. For I mean, this thing turned into wow. something mage. So I had it all seemingly on paper, right? Yeah. I was getting paid well. Uh, I couldn't go to the airport with 
without 100 people stopping me for an autograph or a photo. I had the coolest car. I had a dope relationship. You know, I had a house on the beach, but I was so unhappy. I just couldn't figure out why my friends who seemed to have less were so much more fulfilled than me. I'm like, well, society has told me I've hit all these markers of success. Why am I actually miserable? Wow. What is going on here? And I would, Whitney, I would drink myself to oblivion every night because I just didn't want to think. Like I just watched the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix and she said, I just don't like to think. I don't want to think. And that I identified with because when you're making these choices that feel good in the moment, like the wild partying, like, you know, the debaucherous stuff that people in the Playboy world often get into because it's expected of us, you have a public image to fulfill. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to think of the karmic effect of it. You don't want to think how it's going to affect your family or your your boyfriend or or your own public image. So it's just easier to take a drink and not think. And that became my coping mechanism. Yeah. And I finally got to a place after doing this and living this lifestyle of just travel, party, getting wasted, you know, being a version of me that wasn't truly me. Because since I started at 19 years old, I had no idea who I actually was. Mm -hmm. So I was becoming who the producers told me to be, the directors told me to be, the fans told me to be, which was America's number one party girl. And that truly, I mean, if you know me now and we're going to get to know me now, that's not me at all. I couldn't care less about that stuff. And so I was truly miserable. I had no spiritual tools. I had no emotional tools. I started reading a lot of self-help books. I started trying to diagnose myself. I'm like, oh, maybe I have borderline personality disorder, (laughs) like all these things, but addressing like the real problem. I was spiritually bankrupt and I kept trying to fill that bankruptcy with different types of currency. But the fact is the only thing that can fill that spiritual void is spirit. And that's what I had really pushed out of my life. I had a few rock bottoms and I actually lived in a rock bottom, Whitney, for about three years. It was horrible. I would night after night just drink red wine alone on my couch while my you know, husband was at work. And I never even told him the amount of suffering I was in because I was so embarrassed. And I would just be chain smoking cigarettes, yeah. drinking my red wine, like r- watching Real Housewives because like my wine was my bestie. All the girls on Real Housewives were my besties. It was like, <laughs> and I remember thinking like, you're not going to be alive if you keep living like this. Like your days are numbered. Like I love to drink and drive. I loved to just get wasted and end up in various people's homes, hotel rooms. And I started really like thinking for the first time about what I was doing. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to live to 40. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I'm 40 now and I'm alive. So, but that rock bottom of knowing like my lifestyle is killing me and I don't know how to get out of it because I don't have the humility to ask for help. I don't have the vulnerability to ask for help. I can't admit that my life isn't amazing because my ego was so out of control. And then finally, you know, I just had this moment of clarity. You have to stop. Like you're lying to yourself. Yeah, you're lying to everyone around you, but the problem is, the denial and the delusion that you're living in and the facade that you're putting out that everything's great is exhausting and you don't have enough energy to continue living like this. And I decided in that moment, 
I got to change one thing, everything. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped drinking and people were like, oh, did you do ayahuasca? Did you sit with mushrooms? Da, da, da. I'm like, no, I cold turkeyed it. Like, yeah. I mean, I just stopped, which is crazy because I couldn't stop prior. I wanted to stop. I tried master cleanses. I was doing all the stuff. But I really feel like there was divine intervention. There was something much greater than me that put this fear inside of me that if you don't stop, the consequences are going to be dire. And at this point, I had accumulated lots of attorney fees. I had a DUI, like mm -hmm. I owed restitution for people's, you know, property that I damaged. And I'm like, I can't afford this. So that fear of like financial, you know, insecurity started to overwhelm my desire to drink. And I just never wanted to drink again, which is crazy. It's usually such a hard concept for people to walk away. And it is, it's, it's addictive, right? Yeah. It was my everything. It was my identity. It was my, it was my medicine. It was my best friend. It was, I drink when I celebrate. I drink when I commiserate. I drink, 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 knowing I don't want to drink today. Okay. It's four o'clock. I feel fine. I'll drink again today. Like, what is this insanity? So when that obsession was just like taken from me, that's when I realized, Whitney, that there was something in my life helping me. And, you know, at this point, having pushed religion away, I knew it wasn't like what I used to know and identify with on the spiritual tip, but I knew that there was something spiritual. I didn't know what it was. So I started to align with like the universe and I started to really get deep into quantum theory, you know, when I went to UCI, I was a bio major. So I was always a science dork. And so I'd always been dabbling in quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Wow. And now I understood when I look back at my life and see all those breadcrumbs. Oh, that's my purpose. That's who I am. I am a science geek. Like, and when I had this radical awakening, this like moment of clarity, this epiphany, I realized my brand of spirituality is very entangled with the quantum and it is the universe. It is the cosmos. It is the unified field. It is universal consciousness. So I doubled down on it and I started getting grateful. I started understanding frequencies and vibrations and doing all this weird hippy dippy stuff. And the more I did it, mm. the more miracles I started experiencing in my life that are miracles because I didn't deserve any of it, right? I started taking other women through this process, this journey that I was embarking on myself just for fun because I was so mesmerized by the results I was getting like to a friend, like, oh my God, let me teach you how to manifest. Let me teach you about quantum theory. Let me teach you about karma, universal law. And my friends started manifesting really ridiculous things. Wow. And I realized, oh my gosh, I've actually found like this formula that works for everyone no matter where you're starting, no matter what your end goal is, like just this formula works. And I put it into a course and the rest is history. I'm now like a self-mastery mentor and a manifestation expert. So that's my jam, girl. That's my story. <laughs> wow. I mean, so much to unpack there. Right? I think immediately, you know, I think your story is so beautiful because I think that you're right outside looking in, it probably was so like, you know, every, like that sounds great. It sounds great being paid well. It sounds great being the life of the party. It sounds great. Like having all this opportunity and just this kind of like sexy, beautiful kind of life. But I, I love that you've 
you talk about like the currency of your soul and how you were filling it up with these other things. Right. And I think that that's one of the biggest things with mastering yourself, which you've obviously been able to not only accomplish yourself, but help other people understand is understanding like what is actually filling our souls and like what is actually the good stuff. So how does this go into the quantum mechanics? Because honestly, that's where my brain is like, I, I I love to kind of dabble. I told you my my spiritual journey is in depth in its own way. I've had my, I'm still kind of on this healing journey right now. But you talking about quantum mechanics and 5D versus 3D, can you break that down for our listener of like, wait a minute, we're going from self-healing to now we're talking about scientific shit. <laughs> totally. So I'll keep it super, super basic. We live in a reality, and I use reality in air quotes, that is completely illusory. So everything that feels hard and solid, looks material, feels material, has a texture to it, it's 99.9 to infinity, zero, like empty space. Mm -hmm. So like none of this is real. It's actually all vibrations vibrating at different resonances that appear different, feel different, and they all have a certain spectrum of light. So like black isn't a color, black is the absence of light, for example. But like, you know, this microphone is super hard and because it's vibrating at a faster level than let's say the texture of my skin, right? Mm -hmm. So we can go further with that. Well, what is a vibration? What makes a vibration? It's the intention behind it. So that's how I know that there is a source or a creator or a divine operating organizer of all this within the unified field, because who gave everything its intention? So like a, a skin cell is made of the same carbon, phosphorus, silica, you name it, as a liver cell. It's the same exact material. So how does it know how to slough off and protect me and heal? Whereas like a liver knows to like filter and creates like this organ. It's the same thing. Oh, it's the intention behind it. So when we realize that everything that we see, everything that we don't see is a wiggle and a wave of energy, intention, and information. And that's what creates every single thing that we see. So I go, hold on, okay. So I know that we live in basically a a spectrum of frequencies. Mm -hmm. If I'm not doing well, if I don't like what I see around me, that's a reflection of my frequency. So if I'm operating from lower consciousness, the third dimension, which is the fear, the shame, (laughs) the blame, the guilt, the like me drinking over my problems, not wanting to think about it, trying to intellectualize my way out of a spiritual problem, taking zero accountability, just really hating people, jealousy. I'm going to be sending out those frequencies. Mm -hmm. So if I'm shooting out low key frequencies of all that 3D trash, what do you think my world is going to look like? It's going to look like trash. It's going to feel like shit. So what we can do is we can actually look around us right now. And do we like what we see? Because if we like what we see, that's a reflection of our own personal frequency. So 
when people talk about gratitude, gratitude has been the biggest buzzword in the spiritual community for the past 15 years. What a lot of spiritual teachers don't do is explain why it works. It's not a word. It's not some willy-nilly practice I get into. Gratitude is actually the highest frequency in the quantum scale matched with unconditional love and unwavering faith. Like those are the highest frequencies. So I could easily be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my bed I sleep in. I'm grateful for the socks on my feet. That frequency is now actually phoning it in and fakeness. So what do I think is going to create in my life if I'm sending out that frequency? More to phone in and more to be fake about. But if I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this opportunity with me sitting with Whitney today and be able to share the message of self-mastery and quantum physics and manifestation. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I feel that in my body. Mm -hmm. I'm now shooting out gratitude. So the quantum field is gonna respond to that frequency by giving me more things to be grateful for, by giving me more opportunities to share the message. So gratitude is not a word. Gratitude is not lip service. It is a high, high frequency that we align with to create the life of our dreams. So the self-mastered have to have radical self-awareness because if I don't know what frequencies I'm shooting out unbeknownst to me because they're in the subconscious, like let's say I'm holding on to resentment. Oh, I'm mad at my sister and I'm not speaking to her or my mom triggers me. What a bee. I don't want to be around her. You know what? All the conspiracies in the world are ruining my life. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm holding on to that, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to manifest through thought and gratitude and da da da, and nothing's coming back. If I don't know what's going on under, underneath, I'll just think manifestation doesn't work, gratitude doesn't right. work. So I have to be like, okay, I'm mad at my husband from something he did in 2005. I'm super mad at my sister for all this stuff. You know, I see that I'm blaming my producers, my directors. I'm, I see that I have all this animosity within me that. I know it's in me, but I'm not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I bring it to the forefront. I eradicate it through forgiveness, compassion, and acceptance, which are all, you know, spiritual practices that we have to really get into. And then when I rid myself of those, and I'm just now focusing on gratitude, and that's actually the true frequency I'm sending out, miracles are just attracted to me. So that's why self-mastery is the path I take for manifestation, because I know my frequencies. I know my BS. And when we get rid of the 3D crap, the low vibes, the shame, the blame, the guilt, the resentment, the anger, the trauma, the wounds, and we transmute that all to bliss, joy, happiness, compassion, and acceptance, I'm now in the 5D. Hmm. Get Super is an instant wellness beverage brand created by moi. So good, you won't believe it's instant. It's for those seeking convenient energy sans the jitters. That's right. We put good old-fashioned broad-spectrum hemp CBD into our organic Arabica instant coffee. It's probably Arabica, but I call it Arabica because it sounds more fun. Get Super and our hemp extract contains all the naturally occurring cannabinoids and turpentines. We include about 20 milligrams of hemp per each stick pack to give you all the fun, calm energy, plus that true entourage effect. All the benefits without getting 
quote unquote high, as all of our products are non-psychoactive. Get Super has been featured in Forbes US Today and was named top startup to watch in 2021 by Yahoo Finance. Also, you guys, Get Super has helped me with my anxiety. It helps me sleep better at night. I've mentioned to you guys my whole mental health journey. And honestly, this company was a just passion and project of love because of what I've gone through and what I've walked through with my own depression and anxiety. I hope that it will help you the same exact way it has helped me. So go ahead and get your 15% off by using the code under the influence 15 at checkout. That's right. Under the influence 15 at checkout. I have a couple different coaches and I work really closely with a girlfriend of mine. I don't know if you know her, but her name's Christina, the channel. And she's sounds familiar. She's beautiful. I mean, she's just, she's really done some work in my life, but I, when I was trying to understand the concept of manifesting, it was really hard for me. I'm very physical. I'm very, I'm like kinesthetic by nature. So like, I have to be feel touch experience. Like everything has to be so 3d. Right. But I love what, and it was hard for me to manifest. And it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, okay, I know I believe in subconscious, you know, brain patterns and in kind of creating these new grooves of thought patterns within our life. And I know that manifestation helps with that, especially when we're repeating what we want. But I love that you just explained the disconnect, because I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have with people that want to understand manifestation, right? but they can't put it together and it feels like it's not working for them. And I love that you talk about, well, wait a minute, there's all this shit down here. Yes. <laughs> and you're, you're up here, but it's almost like holding you down. What are some like practical tools for people listening right now to be like, wait a minute, that's like, that's fucking me. Like I, I, I'm not getting there. What help me? Like, what are, what are some tools or some advice that you can offer them? 1000%. So what we have to do is we have to bring what we already know out of the recesses and the shadows of our consciousness to the forefront. Okay. So like, I know in my soul, I'm mad at my husband. I'm mad at my sister. I'm mad at this. I'm mad at the world, but I'm not like thinking about it. So what I have my clients do is I have them with pen and paper, write down everything that's ever triggered them, anyone who's ever wounded them, harmed them, abused them, whatever, and start chronologically. Like okay. I can, I can think back when I first did this work, my first like real harm done to me was by my best friend's mom in the fifth grade. And I didn't think that that was bothering me. But when I did this work at 29 years old, yeah. I was like, oh shit, that like really effing hurt me. Yeah. And I lived with that like abandonment and separation that was forced upon me by no fault of my own. Mm -hmm. And it's really created a lot of character aspects that are protective in nature because I'm afraid of that abandonment that was I was wounded with at 10 years old. So I, I wrote that down and I wrote down how it affected me. And then, you know, fast forward, I'm like, okay, I'm mad at my mom for being overbearing and being very controlling and not allowing me to do things because she was afraid something was going to happen to me. Like that sucked. I was a good kid. How come I wasn't allowed to go to a party in high school? Like that hurt me. So I started looking at everyone that had negatively affected me and I started going, okay, now can I look at the way they acted? 
I can see that my best friend's mom in fifth grade was protecting her daughter out of her misconceptions, her own fear. I can see that my mom was trying to protect me out of her own fear. I can see all these things. Can I also look at my behaviors that I did and say, you know what? When you acted out of fear, when you acted out of shame, when you acted out of just drunkenness or whatever else, it was because you were spiritually and emotionally and perspective-wise imbalanced. If I can look at me and say, I did those things because I wasn't acting from my heart. I wasn't acting from an evolved, healed, fifth-dimensional space. Of course, I can look at these people and absolutely forgive them yeah. for also acting from that lower consciousness that they don't even know they're doing. I know it's it's no one's intention right. to hurt a child or to do these right. things, but they did. So if I can look at myself and say, I acted from lower consciousness when I wasn't awake, when I wasn't aware and I wasn't on the healing journey, but it's okay because it brought me to where I am now. Of course, I can accept these people for being at that point in their journey. And their journey is none of my business. Mm -hmm. I'm not a part of their soul mission. I'm not their soul. I don't know if they're ever going to advance. I don't know if they're ever going to look at this, but it's not my responsibility. So I'm able to look at that and now transmute that pain through compassion, through unconditional love, into forgiveness and acceptance and allowance of all people and their own BS. And because I've shined the light on it and I've brought it from the recesses of my subconscious into the forefront, I'm looking at it on paper. I can say, wow, that's a lot of karmic crud. Now, when I first did this, I had pages and pages and pages and pages wow. of people, places, and things that aggravated me. And I all saw how these things stemmed from people just not being spiritually well, emotionally well, mentally well. And I could have forgiveness and compassion for all of them. So I was able to let that go. And I'm not going to spiritually bypass and say, oh, it was easy. No, it was challenging. Sometimes it took me weeks and months to forgive one person. And I had to really remind myself, I'm a loving and forgiving person. Uh, I have nothing to do with where they are. Like we're all spiritual beings on a unique journey that in my opinion, we signed up for. Mm -hmm. They signed up for this. And if they're failing their own curriculum, that's on them. It's none of my <laughs> business, you know? Yeah, and I just know like when I was dead asleep and I was making all these horrible choices, it was just because I didn't know what I didn't know. So I can look at these people who are making these horrible choices and harming people and say, they have no idea what they don't know. And I have so much compassion for people who are in that level of pain that they have to project it onto others. So that helps me eliminate these low key frequencies and helps me just catapult into the fifth dimension. And I know now when I am acting people-pleasing, for example, Yeah. That that's because I'm afraid of losing another friend. I'm afraid that I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to be afraid that I'm going to be abandoned or not liked. And it's like, no, that stems from this person, that person, and that person. Oof. I was programmed when I was a child. I kept getting programmed because I kept calling in these things. So I'm now taking responsibility for it. I'm no longer blaming that mom in the fifth grade. I'm saying I continued that programming. I have to dispel it because I'm not responsible for the trauma I received, you know, up to 18 years old, but I'm responsible as an adult for healing it and transmuting it. Like no one's to blame for but me. So I'm able to see very clearly where these behaviors come from, nip them in the bud and transmute them into something positive. Mm. Preach, girl. Preach. <laughs> I mean, that is, 
I, there's so many, so many things here that I think you just touched on where it's like aligning for me again, from my own spiritual journey. And I'm sure it's also aligning to the listeners being like, wait a minute, you know, I am a people pleaser, but this makes sense. Now Mm -hmm. I can connect to why. And I think that's a huge component too, is understanding kind of, kind of that why, why am I like this? Why am I being triggered? And I don't think, I think you're right. I think that there's, you know, there's so many different ways to heal, but unless you're really uncovering all the whys and really understanding from it and also to healing from it, like you talked about that aspect of forgiveness and having that higher consciousness of being like, well, wait a minute, there was something out of alignment for them as well. You know, and on top of my own actions, if I can, if I can get to the point of forgiving, you know, both parties because of now my greater understanding, right. That leads to a lot more freedom mentally. Yes. And, you know, I've had a lot of pushback from people like, oh my God, how could you forgive like someone who abused me as a child? That's bullshit. I'm like, you're not forgiving them to give them a get out of jail free card, honey. They did all the horrible things. We are not saying they did not do you damn dirty. We are not saying that they're a good person all of a sudden. What we're saying is I'm no longer carrying around that heavy weight of shit that I've been carrying around for 20, 30 years because of their spiritual bankruptcy. Fuck that. That is their bullshit. I'm going to put it down because I am a loving and forgiving person because I'm on this path right now to realize these things happened for me, not mm-hmm. to me. So with all this pain, with all this wounds, with all this stuff comes purpose. So I can look at the deepest pains in my life. I can look at my, you know, abusing alcohol. I can look at all these things and I can see how they happened for me. So I can show other people how to also pull themselves from these depths. And if we look at every effed up thing that happened in our life as a gift, to catapult to higher dimension, a gift to learn and expand in the lessons, everything will become miraculous. So even when I have an argument with my husband, I literally am like, what's the frickin' frickin' lesson in this? Like there's some, (laughs) and it's usually for me to practice more patience, for me to practice more compassion, for me to practice more acceptance, and also for me to look at my underlying fear. So I'm so glad I've recovered from this, but I used to get so effing triggered. I'm talking like, I'm going to get a divorce, F you. I didn't say that out loud, but in my mind, that's the dialogue when my husband would leave the toilet seat up. <laughs> because, and, and I, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure so many people could relate to that if we're being honest. Yeah, because like he asked me years ago, please don't put wet towels on the bed. And I stopped. I never did it again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, here I am expecting someone else to behave yeah. in the same manner I do. Expectations are premeditated resentments. He is yeah. not me, but I'm expecting him to operate the way I do. You know, I was raised in a militant perfectionist family. I had no choice but to do things right the first time. That's me. Why would I expect that of anyone else? He didn't right. have my upbringing, right? Right. So, but I'm still imposing this on him. But also, when he doesn't put the toilet seat down, I have to say exactly what I told you. What's the underlying fear? What's happening here? This trigger is not about a damn toilet seat. Who cares? I could put it down and just shut up, but I'm not. I'm choosing to enter into animosity because 
some sort of self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is a character trait of mine that I've identified really stems from low self-worth and insecurity. I'm like, whoa. So in these moments, I'm like, okay, what is the underlying fear? And I deduced it is, I'm afraid that he doesn't respect me. I don't think he listens to me. I don't think he loves me as much as I love him. And then, because if I'm not practicing embodiment and integration, I go into a complete downward spiral. Yeah. We're going to get divorced. How am I going to explain this to his family? How am I going to explain it to my family? This is so embarrassing. How are we going to split the assets? Like, I did the down payment of the house, but he makes monthly payments. Like, I mean, I just get unraveled over a toilet seat. Yeah. So. Once I figured out by doing the work that I teach, that I practice, that this is a trigger for me based on my fear, I was able to stop myself in those moments and either not enter into that hostility or say, hey, babe, I want to apologize for my behavior in this situation because I'm realizing my behavior is stemming from a fear that we don't have mutual respect and that we don't love each other the same. Mm -hmm. And that humility and that vulnerability always resulted in the most beautiful, heartfelt relationships by me just being honest, not only with myself, but being honest with him. So I never said, you need to apologize for leaving the toilet seat up. Right. I said, I'm sorry for my reaction. It didn't feel good to me. It must have not felt good to you, but here's why I reacted like a crazy lunatic. And then when you do that, you actually open up the energetic space for those five fifth dimensional realities. By taking that humility and that willingness to own my part in it, now I've jumped from 3D to 5D because we're always a thought and an action, a reaction, an intentional way from 3 to 5D. Once I'm in the 5D, I'm not just there forever. Once I'm in the 3D, I'm not just there forever. It's a choice I make. So once I jump timelines to that higher dimension, now he is saying, oh my God, I'm sorry, babe. I didn't realize it was that. I never want you to feel that way. Right. And it actually makes us stronger when before I would embark on this practice and I would just be mad, we wouldn't talk for an hour or a day, like avoiding each other, which is like, what the hell is that? Right. So it's, it's really magical when you have the self-awareness and the self-mastery to know why you react the way you react and how to make it right. And we shouldn't be indiscriminate with this. Like, I'm not gonna start talking to a stranger about my deep wounds and my fears and this, if right. I, you know, no. We have to be very close circled with who we do share our most vulnerable and intimate fears and things with. And you're gonna end up creating this magical life of people on your same vibration and having just the most quality relationships, the, the most cool miracles happen in your life. And then you can join forces with these people. So before, when I was like alone on this journey, I was manifesting by myself. Now my husband has seen what I'm able to do by acting the way I act and choosing the things that I choose. He's like, oh shit, there's some reality to this. I'm going to start joining forces with you. And now we're like power manifesting together. Whereas like, that wasn't my intention. So I share this because we become like this lighthouse, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of saying and screaming out with a megaphone, like, hey, I got the answers. I'm gonna teach you how to be a miracle magnet and become self-mastered, come <laughs> over here. You become this lighthouse that these lost ships are like, oh God, there's the light, I'm gonna go toward it. Mm -hmm. So I don't promote what I do. I let it 
be attracted to me. So I'm not screaming from the rooftops. Of course, I'm on podcasts because I love talking about this stuff. But I mean, in my personal life, I'm not saying to people, oh, you suck right here. Let me show you how to fix that. I let them be attracted to my light. So it's organic and it's vibrational and not me being self-righteous saying, I know the way, do my way, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, girlfriend. Well, you have been just (laughs) such a light. I have one final question for you and we'll kind of wrap with, but the whole point of the show is obviously to talk about the way that we've built influence and the way that we're, you know, able to spread our message. So as our final question, what does influence mean to you? Influence to me means the way we can positively impact someone's life. If I'm going to influence someone, it's because they want some of the magic that I embody Mm -hmm. and I want to freely give it to them. If someone asks me, how did you do this? I'm going to hundred percent show them everything I know, but I want to make sure that I'm not pushing my solutions down other people's throats who do not want them. You probably know this, like once you start the spiritual journey, you start feeling so good. You just want to like scream it from the rooftops. (laughs) And it's shocking when like, hardly anyone wants to hear it or wants to embark on it like I didn't ask you. So I think influence is using your voice to really be that light on a dark night that is about attraction rather than promotion. And when you find your tribe and they come to you organically and vibrationally, that's going to be when you have the most impact. So it's really vibrational attraction to me is influence. Oh my goodness. I, Andrea, I love this. I love everything that you're sharing. I love the way that you are changing lives. Where can everyone find you? How can they work with you? Please drop all the things. All right. So I love being on Instagram. My handle is the I Am Everything Project. That's also the name of my mentorship, the I Am Everything Project. And my website, um, andrealowell.com. Super simple. I am mostly on Instagram, but I do have all my offerings in my link tree, all my offerings in my website. And I offer two, six and 12 month mentorship opportunities or people can book single sessions with me as well. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have that had you on and thank you for just blowing our minds um and uh thanks for going under the influence with us my pleasure talk soon